welcome to the Surfpreneurs Podcast. My name is Richard Dobinson, surfer by nature and writer by profession. And here with me is a man whom many of you may know, having amassed a pretty impressive list of credentials. I was perusing his website earlier. There's quite a list on there. And um, he has made it his life's mission to help surfers like me and probably you try and stay fit and supple and injury-free. So after some time trying to put this conversation together, playing with dates, we've managed to link up from where I am in England to where Chris is in Australia. I would like to welcome the surf strength coach, Chris Mills. Rich, thanks, man. I appreciate it, buddy. So I'm really stoked, actually, that uh, we could eventually put this little convo together. I appreciate you putting some time aside in your morning to talk to me. Now, for the people who have potentially been living in caves or being um, off social media for some time and haven't been paying any attention, maybe you could give a quick sort of synopsis, a little blurb of, of your general background and sure. what it is you've been working on. Of course, you don't need to speak in uh, third person. <laughs> <laughs> So, so Chris Mills, he is this guy. Um, I've been in the health and fitness field for over a decade now, started with personal training. I still do. I guess you could generically call it personal training, but also soft tissue and manual therapies. So kind of massage therapy licenses, a lot of rehab, strength and conditioning. Um, and so have been doing that over the years and increasingly worked more and more with surfers to where now i probably at 90% surfers in terms of clientele. And again, looking at areas of rehab, sports performance, some of competitive guys, honestly, the bulk of who I probably work with is 35-year-old plus professionals of some sort still trying to make sure their body is capable of, of surfing in a sense. Um, and then other things, we've got an app now, which has been pretty cool. So various surf fitness and technique related programs. And we've been doing international surf coaching trips for oh, probably four or five years now. This year obviously came to a halt with what the globe is dealing with currently. But um, yeah. back on to Small that. inconvenience. And we were in the middle of the mentalize. Like we were on a charter. We got on a boat in the mentalize, I think – around the start of March, maybe like March 7th or 8th. And then I recall we were surfing macaronis one morning and we got on to go surf um, a right-hander, maybe like a two-hour kind of motor. And in that motor, um, my phone happened to pick up a ping of service and I got bombarded with texts from basically charter owners um, and my partner at the time saying, you guys need to get back now. Like yesterday, you should have been back because in the pro, like you know, you're cut off, man. I don't know if you've done ments, but it's a little different now. But used to be, there's no internet service at all. So, anyways, the world had in a sense started going to shit in terms of lockdowns and airport closures, and Singapore was locking, and so we had an international group, you know. So we had to cut the cut the trip short. Got back as soon as possible. Like it's not even a quick trip, you know, from Mentawise to the port. And um, even at that point, like. I had some difficulty getting into Australia. We had some clients that had some difficulty getting home just because of reroutes of, you know, again, Singapore closed. So 
Yeah, that was the that was the last surf trip we did this year, and um, hopefully we can get them going again next year. Definitely, definitely. So, what's the is, is there a sort of? I mean, this isn't something anybody anybody could have foreseen happening, but is there a yeah. a contingency in this kind of situation where you're you know you're kind of responsible for this group of people, and you know potentially they can get stuck out there whilst they're on a trip with you? Yeah. What happens in this situation when? you know, the world kind of melts down. <laughs> so that, was and, uh, that was essentially it. Like, so I got pinged via texts, got on a satellite phone, started having some conversations. And it was kind of one of those, okay, things haven't totally shut down. We don't know what mm-hmm. will happen if we wait another day or two. So the only feasible choice is let's do this now and hope for the best. Fortunately, it all worked out. So we didn't have to deal with Cause those are all what ifs like, you know, even charter cap, all of us are like, what do we do? Like, well, let's go back to port now. What if, so we actually know of some boats that, um, did get quarantined. There was one in particular in Sumba. So when we started going back, they started temperature testing everybody, which was fine. Um, and this was still early March. So little Indonesian yeah. port, you're getting temperature tested. We had a couple guys from the UK. And so typically fair skinned, one I think was from Scotland or Ireland, the other two, there's two from the UK, you know, typical, you don't spend a lot of time in the sun, like generally looking, already looking unwell. (laughs) But mind you, I said to the guys after we, we didn't get stuck in quarantine or anything because nobody had a fever, but if one of those boys had gotten the sunburn, we'd have been We'd have been fucked, screwed. Sorry, I don't know if I can drop F yeah. on here. We'd have been screwed because you know if you've got a sunburn, you have a fever. So um, they would have been. We would have been quarantined in some little port. And I know of a charter boat in Sumba that got stuck in port for two weeks. They just had to live on their boat. Um, so anyway, you know, it was, it, the world entirety was going through that stuff. And so then when I was in the airport trying to get home, like it was a small dose of reality, I think, of what could happen if there was. So I'm not, I'm not discounting the fact of the potential severity of corona, but imagine if it was an Ebola-like virus and something with some extreme severity. Um, just a small glimpse of what could happen because suddenly I'm in the airport and people aren't being allowed on plane because their passport isn't from the right country. People breaking down, not knowing where to go, what to do because the flight's been canceled and they don't know how to get home. And like, so just a small glimpse of what a global pandemic could do potentially. Well, I saw a pretty nice story of one person who made the most of it. Um, There was a, I don't know if you saw it, I think it was a stab a stab uh, video article of this of the guy who just had I'm not even sure what the surf spot was now, but he had it totally to himself for weeks and I, just drove himself crazy. Hindsight, I would have happily stayed in the mental ice. Or at least Indo, for sure. Hindsight. But at the time, you know, like nobody knows severities and duration of anything. So I was like, all right, let's I've had to spend time in Indonesian hospitals before. And if I have a choice between <laughs> Between potentially an Australian hospital or an Indonesian hospital, the, the choice is kind of, I think, easy in that regard. So, so we left. Hindsight, man, I would happily still be in Indo. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, you're not alone in that, right. in that dream of some, uh, yeah, some relatively quiet ways. Quiet, um, perfect ways. I mean, 
I've been watching some of their surface of Bali videos over this past sort of few months and you know watching Uluwatu is yeah only maybe 15 people out on a peak or <laughs> is uh you know it's a good time to be alive out there well so we we had been living in Indo the last probably it was until when we came back in March that's when we came back to Australia but prior to that we'd been living in Indo for the last couple of years um and so my business partner for the app I'm going to plug it surf athlete app um my plug business it, plug partner, away <laughs> my my business partner who did all the app development for the surf athlete app on Google and Android and iOS um he lives right above Bingen. So like every day he sends me these videos of Bingen and I'm just like, fuck you, man. Like this isn't, this is not cool. Like this is, <laughs> you're just, you're just right. he's not, he's, not me. He's, he's the whole day on his computer That's programming it. stuff. That's he didn't right. get to surf it. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so, you know, on the topic, I suppose, as we, as we've strayed into the topic of Corona, which is pretty sure. unavoidable in most conversations these oh, days. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, how, other than the, the surf trips, how, how has this, you know, past year, I suppose you could call it now, mm. uh, how is, how, how has this changed things for surf strength coach? You know, how, is, how have you adapted? What changes have you seen over this time? Yeah. Yeah. We, we were, astoundingly fortuitous in that the app was already made prior to um, the start of the Rona. Um, so in that regard, we were already kind of situated to fulfill this suddenly huge online demand for fitness and training. And so in that regard, it was... <clears throat> in certain respects, beneficial for the business. And that we, again, yeah. like it was just luck. Like pff, I already had this app good to go. Boom, let's hit it. Like, let's get after it. Obviously- On from, the front foot. Yeah, yeah. Um, it has further, I was not, it wasn't my drive to ever have an app. And the amount of computer time it consumes, like it, it is the bane of my life at times. Um, but it has further cemented the idea or at least the awareness that, especially in my field of work in that kind of health wellness space where I'm only paid for my hourly time, um, that there needs to be some type of online income. And again, the world we live in currently with the coronavirus, but just health and fitness in general, it kept really pushing into this online space. And so it's really just cemented our awareness of like, all right, that we've got this app now, let's see what we can do with it for a couple of years because that whole space changes so quickly. Um, and the interest in fitness is kind of wanes, comes and goes. Like look at what CrossFit was to what it is now, orange fitness theory, yeah. you know, F45, these things come and go. So at the moment, we're just making the best of it. Yeah. Yeah. Super interesting. Um, so, you know, if you could go back you know, to when, to when things all began, mm. um, was this, was this something you ever sort of envisaged sort of happening in this time or has, have, have things taken a real windy path, uh, in your sort of journey to where you are now? Pretty, pretty windy. Funnily enough, man, in the amidst this whole Corona thing, I've started seeing a psychologist, right? Just because I've had the time and like, uh, I needed somebody to vent to. And so we actually started digging into this and like, because I did a, I did a, a 
interview for a school out of the UK, actually, a bunch of strength and conditioning coaches. And they kind of asked um, something similar in that, did you initially have these values surrounding your business or within the field that helped guide you? And that comes back to, did I have this idea at first when I started and I didn't, I didn't at all. Like it was just personal training. And then I kind of started wanting to work with surfers because I was into surfing and I couldn't stand general fitness and like, I want to lose 20 kilos, but not actually do anything beneficial for it, you know? Um, so that just did my head in. And so it wasn't this like drive to, I'm going to be a surf fitness coach on social media and we're going to run trips and we're going to, nothing. It was just, my initial drive was, I want to be really good at this. Um, and then I think if I look at it from a business perspective, I am not business savvy, but what I am is pretty determined and I'll follow through with things. And so that I also got lucky in that I was one of the first ones on YouTube that really started kind of talking about this type of stuff. And so the voice has kind of permeated and organically spread. And I've been doing it for so long now that just opportunities have kind of organically presented themselves over the years, such as surf trips, for example. Um, and just kind of kept pushing forward, you know, customers kept asking for an app. I met a guy who's a surfer and likes to do apps. And so like, and surf trips that came about from meeting some people in Indo. And so it kind of just organically. And then, but I think also I'm always kind of reluctant to take risky stuff. So like anything we did venture into was, was relatively well thought out in the sense that it probably is a viable, you know, opportunity and could probably have some financial return. Yeah, I think you, I think you hit the, the, the heads of multiple nails in that sort of speech there. Um, sure. To be in, in any, in any business, to be entrepreneurial in any way, to be determined and, you know, at the same time, so flexible, I think are some of the like main cornerstones of anybody who's been successful. Um, you know, you can be someone with, you know, an incredible plan. You may have developed a plan for years, um, tried to pr predict every, every potential scenario. And if you cannot, if you cannot have that drive to, to, you know, to continue, you know, when things get difficult or to, to act when things get a little sure. bit, um, yeah, things change and unexpected things happen, then, you know, that plan becomes useless. <laughs> yeah. I think it's been an interesting journey as well because the, the business is essentially me. Like it's a mirror of me, you know, it's not that I'm, it's not like some far removed product or like some, some business entity that is separate from me. So like, you know, this whole surf strength coach thing, like it's, it has kind of evolved as I've evolved. And so that's one thing that's kind of been difficult is still at times finding the interest or the drive or the, the passion behind it at times um, to keep pushing forward and keep, um, keep it maintaining like the sustainability of it and actually like the business output. Yeah. Cause you know, there's a big difference between, as I'm sure, you know, like, 
running a business versus being the face and the brain and kind of the drive and energy behind it. Those are two kind of very different ways of thinking at times um, and can be, it wears me out. Like I'm totally honest. There's been multiple times where I'm just like, fuck this. I'm over this surf strength coach thing. I don't ever want to be on social sure. media again, you know? Um, yeah. And then other times where we're sitting on a boat in the mentalized when this is the best gig ever. So. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I think it's natural to go through those, cycles um and when you mentioned that, that you are your brand um and you know when people think of surf strength coach they don't think of a list of programs or right. you know um equipment or they think of you chris mills um so is is that engagement with your community is that something that's really important to the aspect of developing your brand and maintaining your identity yeah it certainly has been um, and, uh, it's, it's been tough because I don't, if I didn't have surf strength coach, I wouldn't be on social media, like at all, hundred percent would not. <laughs> and, and so it's this kind of push pull between, I have all these, like this community that are a bunch of people that are essentially interested in the same thing I am, you know, but also needing to keep the ever burning furnace and juggernaut of social media a lot. <laughs> and so it, it's kind of this been this push pull of how much time am I willing to invest? What do I need to invest? How do I keep it kind of organic um, and still keep awareness of my own mental health and the need to not be on social media, you know, all day. And the reason I kind of say that as well is because, like, when we lived in Indonesia and in Bali, especially Bali, like, every other person was some influencer or trying to be. And I just, I just see yeah. it as, like, such an empty, vacuous, like, existence at times. And so it's just not me, you know? So it has been this, this pull between, like, okay, keep putting myself out there, keep putting my voice, engage, try to find things that engage – while still doing it organic and, you know, keeping sure. people and customers satiated to a sense. Yeah. I mean, that really is the, you know, Achilles heel of, of social media is that without this constant drive, you know, relentless input, relentless. the second you, the second you stop, it's, it, it's, it drops off the face of the earth within yeah. moments. You know, the second you stop posting, uh, the second you stop communicating with your audience, you know, there's no foundation there. It will, it will start to fall, fall away and you'll be lost in the abyss of yep. hundreds of thousands of different people doing similar things. Um, so how, you know, given that, how do you try and delegate your time between, you know, keeping up with your social media, because that is a really important channel for you yeah. whilst, you know, building other, you know, more sort of foundational areas such as maybe your YouTube channel or, you know, actually, you know, face-to-face -face visits and these surf trips. Sure. That's probably been the biggest task of like the last two years, especially with the app. Cause now that there's the app, there's this constant need for again, computer time. And I'm, I'm a practitioner. Like I would rather be in the gym with somebody in a one-on-one -on -one setting all day than responding to DMS on Instagram. But it also is a really interesting aspect and in pulls in clients. So it, it has been this needing to delegate time and awareness um, 
around basically all those tasks. And now I am not, I don't consider myself business savvy. So I essentially have just kind of listened to those that do better than I. And, you know, those areas surrounding like 30 minutes on Instagram in the morning, maybe 30 minutes in the afternoon, right? Get a post, answer some DMs, answer some comments, get off it otherwise. Same thing with kind of Facebook um, and and figuring out how to create content that can be spread across all those platforms rather than needing to do one individual post on Instagram, one on Facebook. And then also like what's difficult is finding what actually hits and gets traction, which usually isn't what I expect. And so that's one thing that's been tough is that usually like my YouTube videos, social media posts, it's stuff that just comes about via client interaction or something I'm interested that day. And so it's never been this laid out five days a week. Monday, I post about food. Tuesday, I post about a stretch. Wednesday, I post a wave video. Like it's, it hasn't been that thing, which maybe it should be. Like that probably would help the algorithm. But it's, it's kind of been more organic. Um, so that could be slightly deleterious to the business. Or it's just kind of more in line, I think, with how I operate. And it can probably be more efficient we'll see we'll see what comes of it <laughs> well it sounds like you've yeah i mean you're 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 kind of got a juggling act going on um you sound very busy is that you know is the social media side of things is that something that you currently try and outsource a little bit is that something you've considered sort of handing over to sort of third party you know or is that something that you is important for you to kind of hold on to and be, be the face, be the person who responds. Yeah, I think, so the only thing I've really delegated is that we have a bunch of email support now. So we've got some VAs doing <clears throat> general email support of like, I can't log mm -hmm. in and I lost my password type of stuff. Um, but then it's also, it, I think it would be hard for me to outsource some of social media just because, again, it's my voice. Like you can tell if somebody's commenting back to you if it's a bot or not, you know. And and I think one thing that has just helped, I guess, growth of the business is that it has been me and kind of the honest mm -hmm. and truthful reactions of mine um, have come through. <laughs> so so I, I think – There'd be things I would like to delegate. Um, we're, we're working on that. We're, you know, I, I should have somebody else do all video editing. I could, we're trying to figure out where and what I can pull myself away from, but still kind of stay true to the whole surf strength coach moniker and make sure it is still my voice. Right. Um, but, you know, then the flip side of that is if we want to keep growing this app, a whole bunch of stuff's going to need to be delegated. Because at the end of the day, like I mentioned, like I'd rather just be in the gym training somebody one-on-one -on -one sure. than thumbing away on some Facebook messages. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're, you know, yeah, you're sort of heading down that path. And I suppose it's it's difficult to to see a way where you can grow that online world as well as maintain, you know, the, the real life connection with people. Sure. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's it's gonna you're gonna become you know more and more in demand with people online. So that's um, 
that's a difficult aspect. Um, One of the biggest know, things is like emails, you know, because every day, especially again, being in this health and fitness field, every day are emails or questions. Hey, my shoulder hurts. What should I do? Like, I can't tell you, extrapolate that to every part of the body or region or like anything health related. And so one of the biggest difficulties is like finding a way like to tell them, hey, I appreciate you reaching out. I need you to value my insight and professional time. These are my rates, but also having somebody else respond to that email, but at the same time, not necessarily turning them away from the business. It's not like, so it's finding kind of a nice way of saying, hey, I'm really busy. Sorry, I can't answer your email. Here's these programs. Yeah. Here's a consultation route, et cetera. And then doing it in a way that kind of keeps the customer service at some at least decent level. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, yeah, almost the equivalent of somebody coming to a restaurant and saying, you know, they want to, they want a meal and you're just turning them away because yeah, exactly. <laughs> you haven't got the time. Um, yeah. I mean, do you have moments? Um, I mean, the, the health industry is... I mean, it's a it's a controversial topic. It's a, you know it's a hot debate. There's so much information out there. Do you have um, people you know coming to you that, that you know, disagree with what you're doing? Is it do, do you have to kind of diffuse um, theories? You know, is that part of the messages that you need to reply to? Yeah, some essentially anything I post on social media will get some type of backlash shit talk anything mm -hmm. like it'll be I, I roasted a leg of lamb the other day and i've got several dms of vegans talking shit like mm. so so again that could be extrapolated to anything and so if if i post something that is theoretical based around training i'm going to have some strength coaches coming at me about something um it, it's hard you can see it across society. We live in a world now that everybody wants their voice or opinion to be heard, especially if it's kind of in the minority, not in the minority in terms of an ethnic sense or something, but minority and just that it's a different type of, of thought process or opinion. So, so yeah, some of it is, um, I will generally try not to go there, especially, uh, in aspects of professional theory around training and rehab. Um, that's a big problem in the fitness field on social media is that other coaches want to assert their ego on your post and, and tear mm. it down. Um, it's, it's rife. So I, one thing I really try to do in regards to that is always realize like who I'm trying to speak to. And I'm not trying to speak to other strength and conditioning coaches. I don't care what other coaches are kind of doing in terms of their surf preparation. I'm trying to talk to like the average person that just wants to feel good in the water and kind of relay information to them. So that kind of keeps some things at bay because I'm not trying to talk overly technical and theoretical and, and jargon that other coaches are going to kind of latch onto. So I think that probably changes some of those conversations online. And then a lot of it is just DMS that I just don't even bother answering, you know, <laughs> yeah definitely um sure um so i mean there's going down the the route of you know the, the channels you're using i mean you've got 36 
over 36,000 subscribers on YouTube last time that I had a check online. Um, Instagram, over 30,000, and Facebook coming up towards 25,000 follows. Which used to um, be over 30. And I didn't, I saw that the other day. It used to be over 30. So Facebook must have done something recently and got rid of a bunch of like ghost accounts or something. I don't know. Because I did notice it. Not that I care that I'm I, now less than 30. I think, I, I think it might have been that lamb. <laughs> it could have been. Any, I, I lost a big subset of followers when I posted about eating. <laughs> Um, so my question is, um, has YouTube, I mean, YouTube was where you started. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, Instagram was, I suppose, non-existent when that all begun and Facebook was in its early stages. Um, have you, have you noticed, uh, you know, with YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, ones that have become your, your primary drive, the ones that people go to the most? Or has it become quite evenly spread? If we're looking at, in terms of marketing, Facebook is probably the behemoth there, just in terms of their ad and ad revenues and kind of ad spent. Um, But then I'd say probably YouTube is probably still the king of Mm. internet information. The difficulty with YouTube is that the expectation of content quality has become so high that it, it, you have to make sure you're putting out really legit content. Um, mm. And that requires a lot of time. And again, like editing, like am I answering Facebook messages or am I editing a YouTube video? Or, you, you know, it's this push-pull again of yeah. where to throw my time and effort. And quite honestly, I hate video editing. It's not something like... It, so knowing that it's king, um, there's some other big names in the space that are like professional video editors as well as into their surf fitness and surf tips. So, you know, they're putting out some huge, well put together content. And so it's just a matter of us starting to rekindle actually the, the inspiration for it and starting to figure out a way that we can delegate some more content creation but youtube's probably again the the juggernaut it's just like look at how big vlogs are every pro surfer's got a vlog now at least top pros and it's really highly rated informational or entertaining content and so there from when i first started youtube is a different space in terms of quality um and so, you know, change of the times. But I think YouTube sure. will be around for a while. Instagram's going to become obsolete eventually. I, YouTube's not going anywhere. Like, it's just going to keep coming bigger and bigger. No. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, I mean it, st- it stands aside really from the social media side of things because yeah. it, it doesn't depend upon this necessarily this interaction between people. You know, right. it's, it's a hub where people come to and gather around and then kind of share ideas um i think for for your business model that's why it makes it so successful because people are people are looking for information they want to know you know specific techniques specific ways to um rehab an injury for example and you know if you're looking for that youtube is the place you're going to go yep absolutely um so with uh you know you 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 started talking about um about the blog aspect of of kind of uh, create creating videos uh, is is that ever something that 
you would consider to, to go down or do you is it is it part of your sort of core value to only provide informational informational and educational content yeah, yeah or will you be sort of lured down this road to kind of um the world of voyeurism <laughs> voyeurism <laughs> i would i would totally do a vlog if if somebody else would do it for me i don't again like it comes down to I don't want to have to do the editing. I was actually looking at vlog kits for my iPhone literally yesterday of seeing how, what are some ways I could make this easy and still decent and some entertaining content. Um, we were going to have videographers on all of our coaching trips in 2021. Obviously that ended. So that was going to be a whole bunch of like vlog kind of content development. I'd be a okay with it. I wouldn't mind. Um, it's just, again, finding a way to streamline that process and make it financially feasible, you know? And like, if I have to hire a video editor that follows me around for the day, that ain't going to be cheap, man. <laughs> like, you know, like, especially I've got to, like, hire some professional. Like, if, if you're in Indonesia, right, it's, it's just the cost of doing business. It's cheaper there. I could find an Indonesian videographer aspiring, you know, wanting to develop his craft and follow me around for the next 12 hours, man, get some content, put it together. Whereas if I did that, the, just the, the rate of pay in Australia is a very different thing. So, so <laughs> it's, it's figuring out, all right, is this one vlog video going to be worth, you know, paying somebody whatever it costs, but I would, I'd like to do vlogs, man. I, I wouldn't mind in the slightest. <laughs> You've become very comfortable in front of the camera after ridiculously years. I have, man. Ridiculously <laughs> one of like the few decent like business traits probably is I'm not uncomfortable in front of the camera. Man, that would be terrible. <laughs> man, if you look at like my first ever YouTube videos, they were brutal. Brutal. My sister is actually starting a YouTube channel. Um I've been telling her for years to do it. And I told her, I was like, look, you just need to get the first, just do them. Keep pumping out videos, pump them out, pump them out, and you'll get more and more comfortable. Um and that's it. It's just, you know, familiarity. It's like anything in life, any skill set. You just gotta get through the first awkward stages. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's that, I guess it's also that feeling of sort of imposter syndrome. When oh, you begin man. something new. Yeah. I, I mean, I still, like, again, in the health and fitness field, man, in training, the imposter syndrome is rampant. Again, I was talking with a psychologist about this just last week. And it's, it's um, you know, I think everybody will go through it. <clears throat> Any field of work, um, you will go through that stage of, do I really know what I'm doing? Am I worth what people are paying me? I need to know more especially when you're comparing and contrasting on social media, um, it, it can become really detrimental for the headspace. Yeah, definitely. And you know, when, you, when you first started, was that something that came immediately? Was it before you posted your first video or you started to have doubts? Mm, maybe should I, should I do this? Am I qualified to do this? Or did it come as you started to build a little bit of traction, a little bit of, uh, a, bit of a following? Is that when you started to think, oh, okay, I'm... I'm committed now. <laughs> Probably not until I really started to build. And then again, like I'm going to keep referencing back to our field of work. Like there, I'm sure this can be said for any field, but it's strongly apparent in ours that there's always somebody that makes you feel like an idiot in terms of their knowledge base and their skill set. And so <clears throat> it was always just, I'm confident in the content I put out. 
it's just the awareness of like the people I look up to and aspire to in my field of work. I'm just like, geez, this guy is like, he's an alien in terms of how brilliant he is. Like it just doesn't even make sense. And so it's that constant awareness of like, I'm not good enough. I need to upskill. I need to know more. That's, I think, the catalyst for the whole imposter syndrome. Not necessarily like I'm fine with the content I put out because it's stuff I strongly and firmly believe in. It's just the overarching kind of field of work of being, okay, I need to constantly upskill. I need to one-up. I need to do more. Because again, that's the field of, I mean, that's social media. Like everybody's just one-upping and trying to be the next thing. And I'm smarter than you. And I have better abs. And this is my car. And, you know, like this is my hand yeah. on my vacation. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing. It, there's always... There's always going to be somebody with more knowledge than you. Um, but I mean, in terms of a successful business, it knowledge is not everything. I mean, the, the, I think some of the reasons that you've been so successful is your ability to take the knowledge that you do have and put it into digestible uh, pieces of information. You know, it, the videos are nice to watch. Um, you know, you're, you're easy to listen to. You're, you're, you're very outgoing. Um, you know, compared to somebody who might have more information than you, but doesn't have those other qualities. I think that's kind of the, the differentiation, you know, the difference between somebody who can become successful with the knowledge they have and people who will just stay behind their Instagram page and just type the knowledge they have. <laughs> I, I appreciate that validation, man. I do. My ego loves it. <laughs> it's all right. All right. Cool. Well, I'm just getting started. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so you mentioned, you know, you mentioned a few people that you said you really look up to, um, sure. people that have really inspired you or people you draw information from. Who are some of those? You know, what are some of those sources? Do you have a few uh, particular books that you've read or uh, people that you, you follow online? Yeah, you know, sure. Or is it sure. Okay. Um, in terms of work oriented things, like my whole base started because of Paul Check. Um, despite what some people might think of him now and he's a bit guru status and um, esoteric and kind of metaphysical but um, mm -hmm. his basis in initially biomechanics and strength and conditioning and stuff was legit so I really studied a lot of his stuff um, still do um, there's a fellow named Pat Davidson. He's a strength and conditioning coach out of, I think he's in New York. He's brilliant in terms of, um, kind of his paradigm of thought, um, and his templates, the way he thinks about the human body and strength and conditioning. Um, let's see who else, man. It's been a big, long list. Uh, the guys that do PRI, you know, these are acronyms and stuff that probably aren't going to mean anything to anybody listening, but the Postural Restoration Institute, they have an interesting way of looking at mechanics and breathing and the human body. Foundation training, Eric Goodman, he's legit, and he's just a super nice guy. Him and the whole foundation training team, um, really, really just genuinely good people, so that's cool. It's always nice to come across somebody that is genuinely well-vested and just a good human in our field of work um those are some big ones that probably stand out yeah yeah definitely i think that that last point i think is actually really important for lots of people which is 
you know who you're getting your information from sure. uh, and if it's some if it's somebody that you can you know really relate to or somebody who's got some personality that that resonates with you it it just it 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 influences that decision on you know who you decide to believe and trust i mean right. it's an element of trust i guess um i think I, that's what you've managed to do to, I, I'm, I, gonna, I'm gonna inflate your i'm inflating your ego a little bit more <laughs> no, I, I totally appreciate it man because i think it does it goes back to what we were talking about the imposter syndrome you can know your like knowledge base but then also um i've i've always tried to really only speak from a point of like my truth and anything I fundamentally believe in it's because I've used it with clients or I've used it myself and so <clears throat> there's never been like this hashtag influencer thing where I'm just blowing out products and trying to sell shit like it's always come from a place of like this is my honest and truthful opinion this is what I find to be of value this is what I find to be worthwhile and actually useful and beneficial and so like talking from that point, rather than just trying to necessarily throw knowledge and facts around, I, I think that's kind of been at least one value subset that I've had around my voice across social media platforms across the years is just really trying to do it from a point of like honesty and integrity. And I think that probably mm -hmm. is something that has, and you got to, like you said, man, you got to like kind of just mesh with somebody. Like I see, you know, I see lots of practitioners and they can be a really good practitioner, but if there's not an actual human to human connection, then, you know, that could be a placebo effect. That could be an energetic yeah. effect, something. So, so yeah, you know, like human. Yeah. I think that when that human to human connection is, I think important for any, it doesn't matter what you're purchasing or what you're interested in, you know, I mean, there's, there's tactics that, businesses use you know to try and make themselves appear more human you know that even yeah. big companies and big brands they they all announce uh faults within their business as you know as marketing campaigns sure. <laughs> to in order in order to make people you know gel with them and think oh that's you know i can relate to that that seems a little bit more real yeah. um, and i think that's something that's really important is that something that you think can be synthesized or is that something that has to come naturally and is you know it's there or not i think it can kind of be synthesized but i only say that because i know people again i'm going back to this whole health and fitness realm i know people that have developed solid businesses at one point or another and then turned out to be absolute pieces of shit and fraudulent. And, and so I, it will eventually catch up to them, but I think you can kind of synthesize and fake this aspect of coming from truth and integrity and honesty um, yeah. for periods of time. And then eventually though, it's gonna, the cat's going to get out of the bag type of thing. Um, and so yeah. all those that I do speak directly of, like it has happened. They have been called out or shown to be an absolute fraud or, you know, stealing other people's content. Like it will eventually karmic retribution, man. The universe is going to fuck you up sooner or later. <laughs> It'll come. I'm, I'm in trouble. Uh, <laughs> uh, so 
Um, yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's something that uh, with with the online world has become even more possible. You know, people can hide behind a facade. Yeah. Um, for much longer, you know, when things were more real and, you know, back in my day, uh, <laughs> um, no, I'm kidding. Um, well, yeah, when things were, you know, less online, um, yeah, you, know, you, you could, you didn't have, you didn't have that to hide behind. You couldn't, yeah. you couldn't just put up your profile and just type what you want. You know, people came and they, you know, they saw what they saw and that was not something that could be avoided. That's, um, that's what I've really tried. Like, I am what I am and that shit will come through, I think, on my posts, on my YouTube videos. Somebody wrote to me a couple months back and it stood out and they said a, a, a video that me and one of my coaches that we run trips with, we made a video and I don't know, we we're just talking. It's just organic. And he wrote in to me that we should really, this person wrote to me via email that Clayton and I should watch how we say things because we might turn off potential customers or something like that and we weren't thinking negatively we were just you know like just having a chat and i wrote back to them i was yeah. like look if they don't like how clay and i are talking they're not going to like us on a surf coaching trip like you get what you get you know like and so that's one thing that on coaching trips once i get to know the guys i'll often ask them like hey am i who you expected me to be from what you had come across and and they're like, yeah, like it is you. Like it's not a, it's not a social media persona. And so that is one thing yeah. I've like vehemently tried to, to continue with is like, you get what you get. Like this isn't a false thing. Like the social media thing is just an extension of my life and who I am. It's not this false bravado just trying to sell you an app. So you know, sure. it's what it is. You're not lounging, not lounging around the boat eating a bag of Cheetos. You know. <laughs> no, unless they were corn tortilla chips, man. I love unflavored corn tortilla chips. So yeah, yeah. All right, we'll let you have that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. Right. Well, we're coming up to forty-five minutes. We're coming up sort of within the hour that we sure. roughly roughly allowed ourselves. Um. It's been, yeah, it's been awesome talking to you, Chris. I've actually really enjoyed it. And a little insight behind the scenes at the office of Surf Strength Coach. The office. If there is an office. I, it's, it's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting at it now, man. I finally, so I moved into this new place just a couple of months ago. And so, like, I've been piecing it together. And then finally, I've just had my computer at, like, my big, basically, kitchen table. Finally, I have set up my standing desk. So it is slowly becoming this weird pseudo office that probably is nowhere near as collected and organized as it should be <laughs> is that something that was always important for you to um you know be mobile is that is that what you needed from a job or no it wasn't necessarily an intention but it it came about that way um like i've moved every two years since i was two years or less since i was 18 and i'm 38 mm. And it wasn't necessarily an intention to be mobile. It came about. It was awesome. Like, you know, it let us jump back and forth from Australia to Indonesia. I was back in the States for a bit. And so it was great. It has certainly, there's downsides to it, you know, in terms of relationships, either friends or romantic relationships, feelings of stability, 
Um, so all that has certainly been some things to start to piece together. And so now that I am kind of forced to not travel, it's kind of been a weird transition. Like, am I cool with it? Do I want a base? Do I want this to be my base? And the other mm -hmm. part of me is like, man, put me on a plane. Like, let me get to on some type of surf trip. So yeah, it's, you know, it, it's, I think being mobile is great. And then it, it's that flip side, you know, like a lot of people want it and there's aspects of being yeah. for years, but then there comes a point where like, you just, I just want a nice couch. I just want a nice kitchen. You know, like, so yeah, the, the grass is, the grass is always greener. The grass is greener, man. And I'm getting older, you know, like I said, I'm 38 now. Um, not that I'll stop traveling, but I wouldn't mind having a pretty like stable base from which to yeah. travel. I totally, I totally hear you. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Now, um, I think that's a really nice place to uh, mostly wrap up. I have one last uh, little question for sure. mostly for the other sort of surf entrepreneurs who are listening. Uh, it's a pretty general question that I'm just going to ask at the end. And that's, could you give just one thing, could be a personality trait or an experience or could just be money that uh, keeps you keeps you committed to the business that you're pursuing and, and the dream that you have? Oh, good question. Honestly, it probably just comes down to like my passion for surfing. That's it. And that, at least for my business, the drive for surfing and better surfing combined with just this overwhelming interest and intrigue into like the human body, I was just really lucky to kind of combine those two things into a career. And so even if one of those kind of falls to the side for a bit, it's so inherent in me that it will eventually bring me back to business development or content development or something, because it does come from an, a place of just like pure inspiration. Um, and so I'm one of those incredibly lucky ones that was able to kind of make a job out of something I'm passionate in. Mind you, there's, there's times where I'm so over it and it doesn't seem passionate and it doesn't seem fulfilling, but then it's, you know, those are just the natural, I think, ebb and flows of your head space. Any, and, any yeah. job. Yeah, exactly. But then always kind of coming back, like, since again, those things are inherent to me, it comes back and it will once again kind of invigorate me, which then starts to drive the business again amazing yeah yeah i think that's uh some wise words got to be passionate they don't feel wise i always get asked that type of stuff and i'm just like oh i'm not the person to ask like i've fumbled through give, this give me, you know like i like i'm not give me something philosophical. <laughs> give me the quote man give me the sound bite <laughs> It's always like, oh, can you give any advice? I'm like, I don't know. Just like work hard. And <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Thanks, mom. <laughs> work hard, eat your vegetables. Hey, that's your, that's your business. Uh, Pretty much. Uh, work hard and eat your vegetables. Good to go. That's it. That's the quote. Okay, we got it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Chris. Um, oh, I appreciate it, man. It's a real pleasure. Enjoy your day uh, in beautiful Australia, and I'm going to get ready to go to sleep in England. Sleep well, man. Get your vegetables, dude. Work hard. 
I'll do that. Thank you very much. Cheers, man.